0: Welcome to The Intoxicated Podcast, a weekly comedy talk show that dives into the personal lives of comedians, experts, and creators. I'm your host, Sarah McClellan, a very amateur stand-up comedian and self-proclaimed sad girl. It's the comedy podcast with a lot of heart. Feel hard and talk hard. This is The Intoxicated Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Intoxicated Podcast. Woohoo! You're back. You're back. Thank you for coming back. If you are a returning listener, and hey, if you are a new listener, Welcome to the podcast. Hopefully next week we will have producer Sarah, my intoxicated sidekick, back for some intro chats. But until then, it's still just me. And hey, guys, I'm actually going to I'm going to do a show plug. I'm pretty stoked to say that I'm going to be at Yuck Yucks in Halifax on Friday and Saturday, May 6th and 7th. And I'm going to be opening up the show for the great and amazing James Mullinger, uh, which is so crazy and I'm so excited, very nervous, but also very excited, like excited, nervous. And from what I know, there are still tickets available for the Friday show as of now, um, which is the May 6th show. The show will for sure sell out. So if you are interested in coming out to see the show... Get your tickets, get them soon. James puts on a phenomenal show, so it is sure to be a good one. And as always, please subscribe and review the podcast to show me some love. You can follow Intoxicated on social media at Intoxicated Podcast and on TikTok as well. Follow on TikTok. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Sarah Mackel, Sarah M-A-C-L. Do check out the video episodes on YouTube. And you can also send in a voicemail on SpeakPipe, or you can send in your questions, rants, life dilemmas through the TalkLine anonymous form. So get those in. I'd love to see more of those. This week's guest, what a treat this was. This week, I welcome the lovely and very funny Brie Parsons. Brie is a comic from Newfoundland. She has been featured on Just for Laughs Originals, And also top 10 CBC next up. So that's pretty cool. Um, I've actually always known of Brie. I was actually a follow of hers before I had even met her. And she happened to be in town for a weekend at Yucks. So I was super stoked to get her on the podcast. And what a great time this was. I really enjoyed this conversation and especially talking with a fellow ADHD gal. This was such a well-rounded conversation. We covered a lot, including producing comedy and the challenges with that her life working as a flight attendant and also her really interesting upbringing all the way through to femininity and non-monogamy so we covered it all in this one Brie truly has a very interesting life and I truly enjoyed getting to know her do check out her comedy page on Facebook and give her a follow on Instagram at Brie Parsons Comedy and stay up to date with her she's very very funny and so enjoyable so let's get right to it, you guys. Please enjoy this lovely conversation with the hilarious Bree Parsons. Right so
1: we can I'll pull back to Misty's garden and I'll meet you at the edge of town. Spending all this time with the sky, we learned that aliens exist, but no one will believe us. So we asked about the monoliths. So Dancing in the silence, hearing music on the feels so weird, absentminded.
0: Uh, all right, right, well, let's, well, let's get into it. Let's get into it so that you can get off to dinner and then to the show. So, oh my gosh, guys, uh, I am so excited to welcome a brand new, a brand spanking new guest to the podcast. Um, but she is someone, like you are someone, I'm like saying she She's here with me today. I've, I've heard about her um, for quite a while and I've seen you hang out with people like no. And so you've been on my radar. So when Claire was like, Brie Parsons is in town, uh, and I was like, oh my God, yes, let's get her. Let's get her. So I'm so excited to welcome Comedian. Bree person. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks.
1: Welcome. You're here. You've done uh, some shows at Yuck Yucks. Yeah. Actually, oddly enough, uh, it was my first time performing at a Yuck Yucks, which is so crazy because I've been doing comedy a long time, but our Yuck Yucks closed down like just when I started comedy so I was like a regular oh. like audience member at Yucks um but our club closed uh, a few years ago and so I just like never really got that experience and I've been on the road a bunch and just like haven't gotten booked by them so I was just so honestly it was like it felt like a first that I should have accomplished a long time ago that's wild <laughs>
0: yeah. but I makes know. sense I guess if you weren't around a Yucks for like a stable period of time
1: yeah, yeah. our club closed and honestly uh it uh, it kind of allowed for this really interesting experience in Newfoundland because people started to like produce all their own shows and Mm -hmm. like different kinds of shows and really cool stuff. And like, so I got a lot of experience, but I, you know, cut my teeth doing all of these like independent things. Right.
0: Not like a club. Yeah. Because club feel is like it's different. It feels, it feels like you have to be more well-rounded for a club. I've always, I've always seen it that way. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a little higher stakes, which is, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. But did you have fun doing your two,
1: two shows? Yeah. I always, uh, I was opening up for Mike Lynch and I love working with him. He's like someone I've watched, um, you know, grow uh, as I've been doing comedy too, and he's right. just so fun to work with. He's such a professional through and through, so it's like really fun to work with him.
0: Well, yeah, and it was just Mike Lynch, not Mike Lynch and Cecil O'Brien.
1: Oh, right, you thought is, he was two people. That's so funny to me. I
0: so, like, so I went to your second night last night, Saturday night, and uh, so it was Cecil was the first, mm-hmm. and then it was you, and then Mike. And the way, like the way that it had happened, I was like, because he, he does put on that character Mm -hmm. and he looks, I guess the same, but also slightly different. Like I was just like, Oh, it's who's Cecil O'Brien. And I'm like looking at like Instagram, like trying to find a handle, couldn't find him, And then Mike Lynch goes out and I was like, Oh, like lots of strong accents with these two. But I guess, (laughs) I guess they're both from Newfoundland. It makes sense. And then, uh, end of the show, like. When someone in our group said something that tipped me off. I was like, wait, what? That was the same person? I feel like a fucking idiot. But that's wild. So he plays a character.
1: Yeah, but he has many. He's really impressive. Like he um, during his show that he has called uh, Getting to Know Me, I believe um, he has, I think, four different characters and he flat out just goes between all of them. So it's it's quite impressive, actually.
0: That is wild. That's a, That's wild. <laughs> That was crazy. But like, yeah, we're like, I'm obviously so great to finally meet you too. Like, I feel like I've seen you bum around with like Matt Baker Mm -hmm. and like Nick Burden and
1: stuff. And I've always seen your name pop up. Mm -hmm. And I was just
0: like, I want to meet free sometimes. Well, I I used to,
1: uh, when I first started, I ran a show in Newfoundland um, called Come From Away where uh, Mm. I would fly in a comic once a month. So I got to meet a lot of people, uh, a lot of Canadian comics through that way. And just like... You know, as soon as you get to Newfoundland, it's just a party, you know, so I got to make a lot of friends that way, which is really nice. And uh, kind of, I think, put me ahead a little bit because I got to make these connections so early on. So
0: that is really, really cool. Come from away. So you bring in someone who's like brand new to Newfoundland.
1: Yeah. So never been to Newfoundland. We'd fly Ah. them in for the weekend and they would do a couple of shows that are because I I was in a little um, like underground tapas bar. That was where we were making our show and they were so good to us. They uh, yeah, they'd let us like take over for the weekends, basically, and make it a club.
0: That's amazing. And so you have had had your hand in production quite heavily in the Newfoundland scene. I have no idea about the the Newfoundland comedy scene. So what is it like?
1: Is there a lot of shows? Is there a lot of comics there? What's going on over there? I think it's uh, been super transitional. Like when I right before I started, we had the club, obviously. So that was like its own era. And then I was saying that like everyone was self-producing. So that's definitely how I got into it was I started, I ran a couple different shows. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's just how I, I just hosted all the time. That's how I got anywhere half decent at this, you know, right. it was just like always hosting and, and working that way. Um, so yeah, I've been doing a lot of production, uh, not so much anymore, but, um, that was just like, a really exciting way to like get opportunity for everyone and get to know everyone, and you know make yourself a part of that world.
0: And you're really like the heart and soul of a scene when you're
1: producing. Oh gosh, I wouldn't say that, but uh, you know, like you're you're at, a- <laughs> you're at the core of it. You're yeah, you're definitely getting to know everybody, and and uh, I think like what I really think the heart and soul is not the show show runners, but the open mic runners, man. Those are the people oh, who really put the work damn, in. Yeah. Like that stuff can be so taxing and like nobody it's so hard to do. And nobody treats it uh, with the, like wow. the respect it is. And it's always the like young blood, right. That like goes out and runs all those, those yeah. shows. And like right now in Newfoundland, there is absolutely nothing. We, we have one open mic right now run by a, a, a few comics. Um, we're very grateful for that. But like, there's just nobody producing right now. Now it's just after COVID, of course. So right. um, maybe it'll pick back up and we'll, we'll get some more rooms on the go. But it's a it's a slow place to work right now. Mm. Yeah, there's not a lot happening, unfortunately. Because we've got
0: a lot of talent. A lot not of good too much stage time, yeah. you know. Like so, you'd have to go kind of elsewhere to find that stage time, which is that is so challenging. Like not having access to shows, I can't even picture that because like in Halifax. There was always
1: regular open mics, mm-hmm. always. Um, we, we used to too. We used to have four mics a week, and and uh, you know, lots of monthly pro shows and stuff. And it's just, it's a little bit flatlined right now, unfortunately. But you know, I'd say it'll pick back up. I feel like we need we need a new uh just like generation of of people to come through and just like you know do the do the work again you need a new class like a new a new surge of yeah, class. to come yeah we're all in. tired you know <laughs> like we need we need some young blood for sure <laughs>
0: And so you so you've been doing comedy 5 years but before that you were doing you were a flight attendant.
1: Yeah, I was a flight attendant for 7 years. Oh my yeah. goodness. That must have given you a lot of material. <laughs> Honestly, um it's it's so interesting because when you're in the thick of it it's like one of those jobs in my early 20s it was absolutely fabulous, you know, like I was just getting to travel all over the place and I you know, just seeing the world, which, which was awesome, but I, it got, it never got glamorous, you know, it's still just like cleaning up children's puke and, oh my and, god, you know, delays and this and that. And the other thing, it's the aviation is such a dirty industry and it's like so difficult and it's a young person's game for sure. Like yeah. I am like, it, it, cause you, you have to wear high heels all day. You have to like, you know, still? look a certain way still. Oh yeah. really? Still. Oh, definitely. You need a doctor's note to get out of that shit. What the fuck? What? If you don't, well, we can bleep it, maybe. No, Um, it's okay. I'm not going to share, but, uh, (laughs) but yeah, no, it's honestly it was like pretty crazy to be a a part of an industry that still felt so dated. Yeah, that's so fucking archaic. The expectations of like being a flight crew member are are so crazy. You know, it's one of those industries that is truly the customers always right. And I worked on smaller aircrafts that were like um, 50 people or under, so a lot of the time there was only uh, just myself in the back. So you have no. You have no one else with you you have no support oh, right Oh my gosh. um and uh yeah honestly it was probably one of the craziest jobs i really loved it for about five years and then i got old and bitter so right
0: yeah well i mean because i imagine with flight attendant like your sleep schedule is constantly changing like like that must be tough to manage
1: yeah. I mean, when you're young, you can do anything. So it doesn't <laughs> right? matter. Yeah. Right? You could just <laughs> do absolutely anything. Oh my God. The days of the early twenties. But honestly, mm. I think it really actually helped my comedy career a lot because also I was able to fly for so cheap all around. So when I could take oh. gigs that, you know, weren't in my province and stuff, which is, that's rare to be able to do something like that. So I think it also kind of kicked me ahead, uh, in a, in a really way that I, I'm super grateful for. Oh, dang. You know, yeah. Like, do you have a favorite place that you traveled to? Like ever? Uh, Yeah, ever. uh, When I did Asia for the first time, that was probably the craziest one for me. Um, I had a friend who was getting married. So uh, me and my girlfriend went over and it was just it was such a culture shock, you know, to we when you fly into just like Shanghai, it's still like, you know, there's there's people from all over the world there. It's, it's, you know, very easy to adjust. But we went to a small uh, village called Yangzhou and we were like the first foreigners to ever visit. Oh, my gosh. So all the elders like came out to meet us and everything. It was like super wild to experience that like they had literally never seen a white person.
0: Oh, holy <laughs> smokes. And <laughs> they, were, they were just curious about you. Yeah. So it's oh kind of
1: cool. But like Dang. because we... Um, you know, our friend had to kind of explain uh, to them that like we were allowed to smoke and drink and we're not criminals just because we have tattoos and piercings. And like, it was uh, interesting to just like see them adjust to that, which they did. We, by the end of it, like we were all playing games and they were teaching us how to play like different kinds of card games and stuff. And we just like had such an amazing time. We all sang karaoke together. Like, oh my gosh. But that was definitely the most uh, drastic one. Um, But my favorite place I've, ever been that I could definitely like move to tomorrow would be Germany. Oh. I I loved oh. I loved Germany. Like it was just it's so warm and so welcoming. I think like a big part of it is they're like so proud of the like language and stuff. Like I uh, I speak French, but um so I was like trying to learn German when I was living there and um you in French, if you say something to someone and you say it wrong, they basically just tell you to go fuck yourself and speak English to you, you know, like it's yes. not they don't care that you're trying to learn how to speak French. Yeah, they're not forgiven. No, not at all. Never. No. But like in Germany, they're so excited that you're learning German. They're like, oh, like, yeah, but this is how you say it. You know, like they're just, <laughs> yeah, they're so inclusive oh. and amazing and I so I was uh, staying in Frankfurt and then I uh, fell in love with a girl. So I followed her around for a bit. And, yeah, <laughs> it <laughs> sounds know. like
0: a movie. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any roots in Germany? No, like, none, at none at all. No. Ah, interesting. I'm half German. Are you half German, half Scottish? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I mean, every time I think of Germany, I just think of castles. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Have you spent Did time you? there? No, I've never been. Oh my God, you got to I've gotta never go. been across the pond. Wow, never. All the best places are over there. You got to go. It seems that way. It seems like an amazing. I mean, I don't even know like where I would first go. Oh, actually, I do. It would be Greece. Oh, yeah. I would. Greece is my number one. But Germany, Germany's up there, too. Like, I would love to see Germany. Oh, it's beautiful. Is it is it tough to navigate like as
1: an English speaking person? No, 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 no. Oh, Everyone sweet. is so amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I had no trouble at all. I met some of the nicest people. I still stay in contact with them. I'm I'm so grateful for my time over there. Like, mm. yeah. Whereas then I went uh, in that. Uh, same day and I remember I was like oh I've got to see Paris right like everyone's got to see Paris as the dirtiest fucking (laughs) shithole I've ever been to I hear that I hear that it's like not all it's chalked up to be (laughs) oh man eight blocks of it is gorgeous and then it is a legitimate shithole like I I had such a a a bad experience there just I found it really sketchy to travel alone there and I found it yeah just like like, near the Eiffel Tower, obviously, that's beautiful, and, like, yeah. all the surrounding areas there, and then it was just, I remember I, like, took a wrong turn, and I'm, like, walking down this little alleyway where they're, like, literally selling passports on the side of the road, oh, and I was like, I gotta on. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I have to get out of here. And I'm still there, insane. like, being a shitty tourist, like, I've got my big camera on and stuff, and I'm, like, just running, like, I'm like, I have to get out of here. <laughs> Shit. Fuck. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> wow so where else have you
0: been so you've been to germany been to paris been yeah to um
1: oh my it's a it's a big list to be honest i so mean being list. a flight attendant so you're my kind of hopping all over the place all the time you're probably but.
0: like in a lot of places for like a short amount of time yeah exactly yeah. have you ever had any scary thing like any scary plane experiences like with like turbulence or like Crash.
1: I, I'm just gonna say it. Have you have you ever been in a plane crash? <laughs> I have not been in a plane crash. I have had every medical emergency you can think oh of. Oh my god. But however, I have never been in a plane crash. The scariest thing uh that happened to me was I had just started um, and, uh, on these like smaller aircrafts, there was like a, there's a little door in the back for like, um, commissary, right. They'd put the food up through, you throw the garbage out, that kind of stuff. And, uh, right before landing that door opened while I was in my jump seat in the back. Um, so basically the whole plane is shaking cause the, <laughs> it's, uh, just like thrown off kilter. And, um, Shit. so I called, I was so new so I called up to the captain and I, uh, I told him about it and, uh, we all made a mistake that day and he told me to close it. So I literally wrapped uh, the seatbelt around my uh, my leg and and got up and and shut the door. And as soon as I did it, I was like, I shouldn't have done that. But you're just taking orders when you're so new, right? Like shit.
0: So did, did stuff. Come out of no the, the door. No. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: okay. no. We were we were really close to the ground, so like everything was fine. Oh Realistically, I should have just stayed in my fucking seat and stayed buckled, and and we all would have been fine. But also, there was a dog right. in the last row, so my heart was all nervous about this dog being in the last you, row. You wanted to hear him Yeah,
0: <laughs> you did. That's. <laughs> I mean, I'm terrified of flying. Are you? Oh, yeah. it is so safe. I know that doesn't make it sound safe, but it is so safe. I despise it. I hate it. I will do it, but I will hate it the whole time. <laughs> Right, <laughs> I am like the closer to the ground, I, I I just go down rabbit holes with like missing planes and plane crashes and like the, the person who got sucked out of the plane in Hawaii. Like, like yeah. I know all of those stories. You go through
1: such hardcore training to be a flight attendant and pilot that, like, you, I promise you're in safe hands. Like the amount of drills that they do to be where they are, like they are so capable. Like, yeah, they're. They
0: just, I, I like. Do they train you for like hijacking?
1: Yeah, they train you for really? anything that could ever happen. Yeah, Absolutely, literally like, any
0: situation, like someone dying, plane crash, and they do
1: it every year. You have to re redo everything every year, and uh, oh. yeah, it's it's like really intensive training that like you should always feel safe. Truly, they're yeah. they're so capable. So much, Although I will say, every now and then I get on an Air Canada flight and there's like some like nan like seventy five year old woman as the flight attendant, and I'm like, okay. I uh, I'm curious as to how you would evacuate this aircraft, but uh, good for you, man. They're killing it. Like damn, yeah. You'd
0: need to have very quick reflexes and be very on your toes. I imagine just lift
1: those doors. they're like 75 pounds. Oh shit, seriously? You know? Oh yeah, they're heavy. Like and every year you have to train them, lift them out of the thing, throw them out of the aircraft, and like oh my god, yeah. So, but man, if Nan is still doing it, whatever. Who am I? It seems to be something
0: that like a lot of people do. And like they're in it for life, like a lot of people, like just are a flight attendant. It's I like remember they love the lifestyle.
1: Uh, yeah, I I think that's true. Um, and I think it can be an addictive lifestyle. I really wanted to like have my feet on the ground for one moment. Um, but yeah, I I remember my last day. I was like, I could I could not go to work another a single another day. Everyone keeps asking me if I miss it and taking the switch to to just pursuing uh, comedy has been the best thing I've ever done. Like I'm so much happier.
0: God damn. So you, you like, you just decided I'm done with being a flight attendant and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go full tilt comedy.
1: Yeah. I, have, uh, I do a, like a little day job, you know, like we all do to try to figure it out. But thankfully things are kind of, the ball feels like it's rolling now, you know? Oh, dang.
0: That's yeah.
1: awesome. Yeah. That's fucking, fucking a.
0: And y- so, okay. Actually, I'm just going to get right to the assumption segment. <clears throat> because I have a couple assumptions about you that you kind Ooh. of touched on al- already. Um, so I just... Well, I just wrote hottie. You're a hottie. Because <laughs> I, I creeped your Instagram. I was like, God damn, girl!
1: You hot! Listen, that... Instagram's fake, okay? Like it is, I -uh. curate that, I curate that. You know how hard everyone in my life works (laughs) to make me look like that?
0: Okay, okay, well, okay. So one of the assumptions (laughs) that I wrote was that tons of people love you and always take pictures of you, Because I'm someone, I don't have fucking candid photos. Every picture of me I've taken of me or a professional photographer has taken of me. But you have so many cool pictures of just like you being cool. And like, (laughs) you're like, you're just like, I mean, you're um, gorgeous and stylish. And you're just like, you're just like posing. And those people have got to have been like Bree over here, right? Is no. that true or no? Oh, definitely Tell me, not. Okay, defunct. The, the scoop is here. I do
1: have lots of great friends. That's true. I'm so goddamn fortunate. I I, I am rich with friendship. That is so true. They're I've, the most amazing people in my life. But like, they just like do the work for me, man. Like they they are there. They take forty five of those photos before it goes to Instagram, <laughs> and then we pick out which one. I'm the most basic white girl on the planet. Like we. So it's. It's not as casual as I might think. No, it is a curated experience, my darling. Curated. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. that kind of defuncts the myth. But I, I, I did <laughs> I did think that like a lot of people must must love you. The other thing that I, I put in here, uh, I, okay, I'm gonna try to phrase this the right way. Ooh. Um, <laughs>
1: because I, <laughs> you're I mean, gonna get spicy
0: <laughs> on me okay well like I wrote it down and then I realized I was like oh I think it's just because she said she was bisexual but I wrote like my initial thought was you're a guy's girl but you're also a girl's girl Um, so yeah. like you can hang with girlies and have girly hangs mm-hmm. but I feel like you also fit in with dudes really well
1: Dude, I've, I've got it for you here. So oh, I actually, that. to be honest with you, struggled with my femininity my whole life. Really? It's something that I, uh, I, 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 I always wanted to be a part of the boys club. Anything that was male dominated, I wanted to have a piece of like, yeah. I just, there was something about that, that I was like, anything you can do, I can do bleeding. You know what I mean? Like I really wanted to just like. That. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> Anything you can do I can do bleeding. Like I, I just wanted to conquer that. everything that yeah. men have and did. But I wanted to be in the boys club all the time, right? It it happened in comedy, it my and and my whole life. So I think at the first uh portion of my life I definitely uh was just like a little bit phony, you know? I really wanted to be uh with the guys, so I said what I had to say and 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 laughed things off I shouldn't have and just like oh, did, okay. did did the work to to be the girl that was the guys cool with all the the guys right but I kind of had a revelation that I really don't care if they like me anymore. It's been a, <laughs> it's been a wild ride. I love but, that. Um, I've I've really started to to branch out and be a bit more honest with myself about what I like and like because I would like, I would deprive myself of like I never watched like anything that I consider to be too feminine. Like I never watched Sex and the City. And I remember I met my husband now, and he was like, "What the fuck do you mean you've never watched Sex and the City? We're sitting down and doing it immediately." Like I I just never really allowed myself to enjoy anything I thought was too girly because I didn't want to be a part of that. Oh. I wanted to be the girl in in with the guys and and honestly, it uh thankfully is is not so important to me anymore and since then I've got all these amazing <laughs> women and yeah. and nonbinary people in my life like I I really opened up and it is a whole new world. And I feel like I have now the most support and the most honest uh, relationships with my friends that I could ever ask for. Fuck. Yeah. Ding that bell. That means that's a hell yeah (laughs) moment. That means that's a hell yeah bell.
0: Um, That's amazing. So you really you were just like, I'm just going to be my authentic self and surround
1: myself with people who get it. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong, I took lots of therapy, but yeah, I'm getting there. Oh, so you've been in therapy. <laughs>
0: yeah. And
1: you're not even 30. I'm not 30. I'm 28. This this month I'll
0: be 28. So you're young and still, and you've already been through therapy.
1: Yeah. Have you gr- like graduated therapy or are you in at stall? no or? I'm I, I still consider myself new to it I uh, last lost my uh, lost my dad a, a few months ago and that oh, really I'm kicked so in sorry. Oh, it's okay you know that stuff happens and and that really kicked in an overdrive so now I'm like going quite frequently but it's like oh God is it ever the best thing to ever happen to me <laughs> I
0: I truly I think Camila Cabello uh, came up with a quote recently that was just like my life was so painful before I was in therapy mm-hmm. I feel like that's just a common thing I hear from people, which is like it's life changing, essentially. Mm-hmm.
1: It's so cheesy, but like I remember telling all my friends all the time, like, "Oh, everyone should go to therapy," and I, and but I wasn't. That's me. And yeah, I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, everyone should always go to therapy," and then I actually started to go, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is correct." I've never been more right about something. Like, it is just so therapeutic and so cathartic, and just like, it just gets the fucking job done. Like, oh goddamn, I feel so much cleaner up here. You? Do know? you
0: did you have a therapist? This is what I always wonder, because like I, I have high standards for therapy mm-hmm. because I've done so much self work on my own mm-hmm. and so much research. And, and being my own therapist or whatever. So I have very, like, I, I would not want a therapist that was just like, just talk and I'll listen. Like, like I'm like, no,
1: give me exercises, give me homework, give me, you know what I mean? Like, I want an active therapist. Honestly, I got really lucky. A lot of my friends are in therapy and they recommended uh, me to this, this man. And I just, uh, besides the fact that he's a little bit too hot, I, I could- <gasps> Oh no! yeah he's really hot it's like I, uh, every now like, and then he's just listening and I'm like stop it what are we he like <laughs> you know? cares about your emotional oh. well being and like- I'm like I can't be the statistic that falls in love with her therapist you know like it just can't be that but no uh, you know besides that I just he he's so good at his job and I, I I remember the first session I sat down with him and I was like crying before I sat down and he's like what are you crying about and I'm like I fucking don't know <laughs> hoping you can tell me um yeah but no he's he's just he's really good i got to say
0: oh god damn that's, yeah. well that's really good to hear cuz you do hear of people who 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 take number one it's so much to just like take that first step to do it mm-hmm. and then it's also hard to find someone you click with yeah you i think can, i got lucky you got very lucky mm-hmm. I love how you said that you cried right away. It's, oh yeah, I it wasn't even in the chair yet. It's kind of like when you're like when someone you care about asks you what's
1: wrong and like you're just like Nothing. and like the ah! the first <laughs> The first session is so funny because they're just trying to do the groundwork and find out like who you are. And like, so they're like, okay, like, you know, how do you sleep? Uh, Do you, what do you eat? You know, do you take drugs? Do you drink alcohol? Like, you know, whatever. And then like, you answer all those questions right in a row and you're like, oh, wow, I'm a pile of garbage. That shit does not look good on paper. (laughs) (laughs) All one after another like that. Like, (laughs) that was me. I had a, a two hour
0: Zoom call psych assessment and it was just like, yeah, I was just like, oh good boy. There's a lot of, a lot of questions that my answers I I remember at one point I just went, "I think I'm nailing it." Am I nailing it? Cuz I was trying to get an ADHD diagnosis. <laughs> and I like I I had come with like a list of symptoms that I always have, and I was just like, "I think I'm going to get it. it was like, I think I'm going to get it. I think I'm going to pass the ADHD test." <laughs> and then I got also diagnosed with anxiety. So I I kind of did too good. <laughs>
1: That's one way to look at it.
0: I passed too well. Um, So that's so interesting. Yeah. So I, and then I also said underneath that is that you just, you just fit in well with male comics. They like hanging out with you. You hang
1: out with male comics,
0: they enjoy your presence.
1: Um, Yeah. I've got a lot of male comic friends, definitely. Um, I think, uh, you know, I just, Honestly some of the best advice I got when I started comedy was just like be nice and and have fun and and that's kind of what I've tried to do. I've I've tried to keep my head down and and just do my time and um there's there's problems to that. That gets problematic sometimes. You know, you end up ignoring some things that you should speak up about, but I comedy is for me, you know, and I I think like so much of the time, um it's all about oh, the co- the community, the community. but the reality yeah. is this is a solo act, and we're all just trying to trying to get it, you know and <sighs> ding, and ding. if to if it takes a yeah, i'm not sure sh- I'm not sure, you know, it's I definitely like so many of the comics I absolutely adore, uh you know are are men, and i'm I'm glad i I get along with them. um but yeah, it's just kind of it is a solo. It's a, it's a
0: solo art.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's weird. But it it is for this, like... It's strange to have something that is so solo, but, like, community is such a focus of it.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. It's a
0: weird thing to navigate. Like, when do you step back? When do you step in? When do you take a break? Like, it's, it's strange. And I also think a lot of times people get sucked into, like, the social aspect of comedy. Like... <laughs> oh, it's a hard. Honestly, even just, you know? like,
1: being on the road, it's, like, it's hard to just treat it like a job. I yeah. find I just, like, it kind of gets at least for me like i end up treating it like a party more than anything ah! you know you show up to a new city you make new friends you go drinking i end up spending the money i made on that show anyways on booze and food and you know just having these experiences with these people um, so which is like valuable in and of itself and i'm thankful for that but yeah it's it's hard to treat it like a job cuz it definitely is like we all feed off each other you know and we yes. we we benefit from knowing each other it's true and that's so funny that you said that because one of my other
0: assumptions is my last assumption. Um, I wrote down, and and I think that this is a combination of just knowing that you've toured a lot of places, and also knowing from Newfoundland, uh, you have some insane road stories. I can
1: imagine. I mean, definitely travel stories for sure. But I feel like road stories are different. Like the only I've only been on a few tours so far. I was really lucky um, when I first started uh, a comedian from Newfoundland named uh, John Sheehan, uh, who is just salt of the earth. Such a such a good man, such a funny comic. Um, And and he has this knack for really believing in people when they first start. And he took me on the road pretty much immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I was so fortunate to kind of, like, get to see him do his thing and just, like, understand what it was to be on the road. And he's such a professional through and through. Oh, dang. Um, And then my next tour, uh, I toured with uh, Scott Belford, uh, who I adore. Nice. And that was my first time being like, oh, like... It is it was so much time in the car together and just like talking comedy. And it was like my first time experiencing that like road dog lifestyle. Um, it was my first time touring Canada and just like it, it was so fun. And you get this fear, uh, especially from being somewhere so localized like Newfoundland. I was like, oh, I'm like Newfoundland funny. Like I'm funny because my friends come out to see me and they love me. So they have to think I'm funny. But like so I remember being on the airplane on the on the ride over. Um, to Alberta where I was meeting Scott and just uh being like, Oh god, like they just picked the wrong guy, you know, like you get this imposter syndrome. And uh, but then, mm. you know, I got to travel and I had some of the best shows I've ever had on that tour. Oh god damn. And I was just like so, so excited to like feel like uh, I don't know if a real comic is the way to say it, but that's how I yeah. feel. You know, well, finally.
0: It's a rite of passage. Yeah. To like do shows like outside of your own city. Yeah. And to like, just show up every, like to have a, um, like a a, a fresh slate. One thing that's really funny
1: that happens to me all the time is I have this joke (laughs) where I talk about, um you know, the, the woman's washroom is the nicest place yes. on the planet, right? And the end of the joke is talking about how women offer you cocaine in the bathroom, right? So every time I'm on tour, everywhere I go, like literally women are just offering me key bumps in the bathroom. And I'm like, no, guys, it's a joke. It's, it's a, a joke, joke. Not, not an encouragement. Yeah,
0: like well, so You don't have to live up to it that much. It's <laughs> yeah. so funny that you say that because I literally picture you as somebody who's the very nice Bathroom Friend who like comforts People and stuff is that true oh, Are you definitely. that
1: like if someone's crying You're gonna go comfort them oh definitely Yeah I remember when I first started seeing my partner he was Always so frustrated with me because I would be we'd be Like at a party or like at a club somewhere and He'd be like you have been gone for 45 minutes And I'm like you don't understand her boyfriend's <sighs> a Total dick she's gonna stay with us for a Couple of days <laughs> Like, we're just going to pay off for loans. <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: it's, it's not, no big deal. <laughs> just, just helping it, a stranger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I assume that you're delightful with
1: strangers. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but again that's
0: newfoundland so like that that newfoundland perspective of like they're very nice welcoming people
1: they're you know yeah you know and i do think majority of people i have a lot of great experience living in newfoundland and i do think everyone is is so kind by nature but also they're kind of vicious when it comes to like I find it um, like the keyboard warrior situation. Like I'm always on the oh. like, I'm a big news person. So like I'm I like, wow. look at the news in the morning and just like the comments are so vicious that I'm like, who are you? Like, why are you so angry? And I just think like they're a very in- opinionated bunch as well. Opinionate- mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay. Because the, the impression that I took away from visiting there and being close friends with someone from there is that like. They're very nice, they're partyers, they'll drink you under the table. Um, but the thing, the thing that I got when I went was just the like the need to kind of be um, to get their approval mm-hmm. as a mainlander. Interesting. <laughs> like, like they're
1: like, we love you, but you're still a mainlander. Like, you're not one of us yet. <laughs> yeah, Newfoundland is wild. We like. Yeah, why do we make you feel like you have to fit in? We're like, yeah, you have to make out with that cod and take a shot of this shitty fucking Jamaican <laughs> screech to fit in with us. And you do it. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with curious, all of you. We want your approval.
0: <laughs> we want to fit in with you, cool people. But I think specifically, like, um, like I, I've heard from a lot of people about like where's the funniest place
1: in Canada and a lot of people say Newfoundland oh it's it is so built on storytelling yes that's what it is yeah it is like it's especially like the older generation I find like it is all like sitting in the kitchen surrounded by like one person speaking and everyone just like listening to someone tell a story. Now, do they lie and do they exaggerate? Absolutely. We all do. It is listening to that story. It's like it simply couldn't have happened that way. And then like you listen to your your pop tell the same story three years down the road and it's like, oh yeah, last time that was three people and now it's eight. Okay, good. (laughs) You know, but no, they are great, great storytellers. I think that's where the humor comes from for sure. It's like entrenched in your culture. Yeah. And it's almost like an everyday
0: thing for like everyone there to be kind of funny. Oh, that's nice. So, like, you guys are, like, you guys are, like, the true comedians, even though, like, not all of them might do stand up, but... (laughs) (laughs) So those were my assumptions about you. I think I did pretty good. Yeah, not bad. I think I did pretty decent. I want to ask you about your lovely relationship because I creeped your Instagram and what beautiful wedding photos and couple photos you have
1: you you're married I'm married yeah he's the best uh, he's the best. and gorgeous wedding thank you oh my god stunning my husband is uh very much into like interior design and like he's the he's the kind of guy like he's the reason my home is beautiful oh, you know like nice. he picks out everything he has such a good eye for everything like he'll pick out a beautiful painting and it'll go up on the wall and I'll be like hey I found this rock on the beach can I keep it you know <laughs> like I just like <laughs> I just don't have the the eye for beauty like he does, but he is the reason it looked that way for sure. Like oh it is gosh. just, yeah, he's, he's so good at that kind of stuff. So how did, how did you, how did you hook this guy? What, how did you meet? We met, um, at a party I threw, uh, on new year's Eve many moons ago. And I actually, I had a partner at the time. Oh yeah. I had a partner at the time who I was in love with for, for many years, actually. It's like, uh. Um, you know, he was my best friend, just, uh, the love of my life, you know, and it was, it was so strange, um, to, uh, end up having feelings for someone else. Right. right. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I made a lot of mistakes under, under that road, um, Mm. of, uh, about, I met my husband a new year's Eve and I broke up with my partner of many years, about two weeks after. (sighs) And uh, I proposed to him after four months.
0: Whoa!
1: Yeah. Uh, well romance. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's like, you're nuts. And I'm like, absolutely. I totally feel like I'm being nuts. I feel manic and I feel crazy. Um, but, you know, I think that's not always a bad thing. No.
0: I think the stereotypical thing is to go to, it's moving too fast so it won't last. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's like so many times it's like, eh, maybe it will. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: you know, that's, that's not always right. It's just like when people say, "Oh, high school sweethearts that stay together forever," they're not gonna last. Like, ah, they might. Like it's it's just yeah. like to, to to think that we can make predictions of. I mean, there's no there's no
1: fucking rules. There's you no know? rules. Yeah. There's no rules. And uh, yeah, I proposed to him in the Grand Canyon, actually, in Vegas. So you propose? Okay.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. okay. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: A lot to process right now. Because you had mentioned in your in the form that you grew up religious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well I, I wasn't religious, but I grew up in a house that was religious. Yeah. And so proposing to the guy is that's a yeah, I don't know. It's conventional thing. Again though, listen, it's that power. It's the like anything that's considered masculine give a shit to me. Ah! I want it. I want that power. And you
0: know what? Like I do think like, speaking to the energy, masculine, feminine energy, um, a lot of, like, female, just to do comedy as a female, it's, it's quite masculine. Mm. Like, to get up on stage and go, listen to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm speaking. Shut the fuck up. Listen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's interesting. So, how did you, okay, I want to
1: know about the proposal. What What did you yeah, do? Yeah, so, we uh, we got a helicopter what? into the Grand Canyon. <laughs> <Kent's. laughs> and, uh. So, I just a casual (laughs) helicopter. (laughs) I'm not rich. I just like to spend what little garbage money I make on luxurious things.
0: Was this a private helicopter
1: or like a situation where there were other people in the helicopter? Yeah, it was like a tour. A a tour. Okay, got you. you. So, we, um, yeah, we get in the helicopter and uh, myself and and Brandon are up front. And uh, I I was in aviation my whole life, my whole adult life at that point. So, I'm just like talking with the pilot and we're just like, blasting off about airplanes and whatever and i look over and brandon is like fucking so white and he's just like looking at his shoes and i was like hon are you okay like are you gonna be sick and i was thinking in my head like dude if he gets fucking sick i'm not gonna do it it's not the right time right
0: (laughs) so anyways he's like
1: he's like i'm having a fine time i just can't look up i'm like so motion sick and i'm like okay So we end up landing in the Grand Canyon and like they have these little picnics set up for us and there's like champagne and food and everything. So after like a little while, he was like starting to feel okay. So I asked the pilot to take a picture of us. And when he did, I proposed. And it's so funny. Brandon is like such a a drama queen. Right. So like two days before we were at we were at H&M and he was like, I think I'm going to be a ring guy. And he like bought this pack of three shitty rings from (laughs) H&M. So at the time he was wearing this like garbage $2 H&M ring on his finger and he took the ring, said yes, obviously. And then as like a a flare decided he was gonna throw the ring he took off his finger into the Grand Canyon. But however, the photos represent me. Not the ones I posted online, because that's curated. But yes. so the photos that happened first were of me thinking that he just took the very what? expensive ring I just right. gave him and threw it into the Grand Canyon. That's... So literally the photos are of me losing it because I was like, you could have just fucking said no. Like Oh but, my God. But then obviously put the ring on and, and those were the nicest, the nicest. And what pitches. was the reaction to you proposing to him? Oh, actually, so we were on tour it, there was two different couples there, like two um, one really older couple and one young gay couple. And they were so sweet. And they were like celebrating us and everything. And the other couple was like, <laughs> the, like old lady was like, no, I swear. I think it was her It did it. Yes. I seen her on her knee over there. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> uh. But
1: like, oh, we've never seen this before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is precious. So truly you proposed to him mm. and, and that was it. You were engaged, yeah. My God, I love it. Um, Whitney Cummings is thinking about proposing to her her boyfriend. She talks about in her jokes. Oh, fun about how like she wants. I, you know what? I support this. I say fuck it, fuck,
1: fuck the fucking standards we grew up with. I know, right? Right. Yeah, and like I, I, one thing I struggled with is I really didn't want to change my name. So, so oh yes, okay. So I didn't do it, obviously. Right, masculine thing I to didn't do. Want to. <laughs> yeah, and it was interesting. So myself and my husband were both bisexual. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, I was like, you know, talking about this, uh, so much. And I was just like, I, you know, he really wanted a family, a family name. That was his argument, you know? And we discussed it for, for a long time and it was kind of argument after argument. And he was like, Oh, it's like the one traditional thing that I have that I'm holding on to. And I just knew I, I didn't want to do it. You know, I had my mom's last name. My mom mm-hmm. asked her, like, just like, I really, there was something precious about it to me. And also I'm trying to make a name for myself in comedy. You know, I just, i really yeah. didn't want to change it at all yeah. so anyways we were sat down at dinner one day and i was like i gotta ask you a question like if you were marrying a man would you consider taking his last name right yeah, yeah, yeah. because he had said before like you know i was like well if you want a family name just take mine right but he didn't want to do that of course and i get it i didn't want to change mine either i was like if you were making uh, marrying a man would you change your last name And he thought about it for a second and he was like, wow, yeah, that's some deep seated fucking misogyny. Right. He's like, yeah, I would consider it. So he, that was kind of the nail in the coffin. And we just like, you know, he he never pushed it again. So God damn. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, hey, you challenged. Yeah. You challenged him. Oh, yeah. He challenges me, too, though. He's very feminine. Right. So oh, wow. we have this like, you know, gender opposite thing happening uh, in our in our marriage. And it's it's it makes for interesting challenges. <laughs> <laughs> but it also seems very lovely. Like you
0: compliment each other. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My God. That's so cute. So so you literally were engaged. After four months? Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. No doubt an insane thing to do. I don't entirely recommend it. It worked out for me, but... <laughs> wow, 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 wow. So
0: you went from who you thought was the love of your life
1: mm-hmm. to the new love of your life. Definitely. In a and very you know short what? time. Like I... I'm someone who like, I love hard and I love forever. And I, I, you know, I still have a lot of love for anyone I've ever been with. Right. But like specifically my, my ex-partner, uh, he was also a comic and really uh, taught me a lot and just like, you know, was just, was, was my best friend. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's always sad sometimes, but also it's like, it just, it wasn't meant to be, you know? Oh, yeah. goodness. Great. Are you, I'm good terms still
0: uh not, no. not so much not, yeah. I mean, not
1: exactly well uh, someday you,
0: maybe do you want to know what like i i'm someone who also had that person and got left for somebody else
1: mm-hmm. and
0: yeah. for many years i was like very resentful mm-hmm. and then it, there just comes a time where you're just like i just wasn't it for that person mm-hmm. and the timing was garbage true garbage timing but <laughs> and like the timing could have been better but it just is what it is and like it they have their person and it was similar in that he ended up marrying the girl.
1: <laughs> well there you go. Yeah. The
0: girl that he left me for. But now I just go like I'm so happy that you found the person who works for you cuz we weren't really working anyways. Yeah. So like it was a shitty way for it to to end but it was probably going to end anyway. Yeah. So, fair like, enough. Why not rip the bandaid off versus like slowly pulling it
1: yeah there you go do you know what
0: i mean so like you never know like maybe maybe they'll come around to that moment it's it's that's a tough thing but like i'm so happy for you that's so wonderful (laughs) that you found you found like your your person
1: yeah he's the best and you're monogamous how thrilled will be he be with me on this um we
0: know we can skip over that question if it's too
1: personal i was just curious i don't think any gay is monogamous i'll just say that well that's kind of what i thought too but i didn't want to make an assumption i was
0: like i'm gonna fucking clarify i don't know i feel like it's, it's rare for anyone to be at this at this at this point
1: uh, yeah, uh, you know he he's kind of a private person, so I think we'll leave it there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, he's uh, you know I just think it's kind of the best of both worlds, and and he's so respectful, and and you know you make have, it work, have your cake and eat it too, That's have your all. cake and eat yeah, it too, baby. <laughs> Were you a bridezilla? Oh no, I don't think so. I had one moment. Uh, I I was sad for one single moment. And that was um, I hadn't had my dress on for uh, a few months uh, when it happened. And then so about 10 minutes before the wedding, because I'm a mess and I was having mimosas and eating croissants and shit. So I didn't put it on until like a few minutes before I was supposed to go out the door. And I actually got my dress hand, hand made for me by a woman in town. So uh, named Megan Suli. She does great work. Um, it's a gorgeous dress. I mean, your your fucking wedding photos are fucking gorgeous. But we couldn't get me in it. I couldn't oh, no. I couldn't get in the dress so I call her crying oh, uh, and this no. was my one moment I was like we can't figure it out we can't get me into this and so she literally dropped everything showed up at the door like within 5 minutes <gasps> and and got me in the dress Jimmy did however she did I worked her magic and got me in the dress like little her oh, youngsters man. in the car like just like she just threw herself and 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 came to me and got, and got me in it but yeah that was my one moment where like the photographers trying to take like pictures behind me and I'm like Kenya not like Can I was like in tears because I just couldn't get my body in it. But anyway, she uh, made it work. So, so things worked out in the end. Yeah, that must have
0: been. <laughs> did you cry before or after any makeup? Uh, it was after makeup, but uh, that was fine. Yeah, it worked out. That's the worst feeling I gotta say when you like when you're wildly in love with a dress and then it really won't come on. I had a birthday where that happened. I had a, and luckily enough, I'm high maintenance. So I had a backup dress. (laughs) I did. But like, there's a classic photo of me laying on the ground while other, like my friends are trying to zip the zipper up. Actually, no, I think it it did have to do with not fitting, but the zipper was stuck. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, we were trying to get it up and then it got stuck and I couldn't get the zipper up. And there's this like photo of like, like four friends of mine trying to get this zipper up. And I'm just like, fucking Christ, the stuff we put ourselves through is insane.
1: Yeah, I uh, was I was really lucky that she came to my rescue. Cause, so that was my only moment that I really felt like I was like out of, out of control, you know, lost control of, of my emotions. And you got married in Newfoundland? Yeah, we got nice. married in Newfoundland at a golf course. It was lovely. And oh, my God, my mom. I- So as I said, I I lost my dad uh, a little while ago and uh, my mom said the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. We're we're just about to enter the room and everyone's going to stand and I'm just about to walk down the aisle. And my mom is standing next to me and she picked out this beautiful dress like months before, before my dad passed. And right before we're going down the aisle, my mom's walking me and she looks at me and she goes, fuck. I was like, what? She's like, I'm dressed like a fucking widow. She has this black dress on and I literally like she starts uncontrollably laughing right outside the door. And I was like, oh my God, mom, (laughs) like "Ah, I just (laughs) on the way to a funeral. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, no, you're not. You look beautiful. But yeah. So I'm like, as I was entering, like holding back laughter. um, It's hilarious. Yeah and was like was your wedding like everything you wanted it to be Oh yeah it was such oh. a big party we didn't really invite much family um and it was just all of our friends and it was just yeah it was just a big That's beautiful so cool love party ah oh, beautiful <laughs>
0: gorgeous stunning icon legend star um love it uh so you i want to touch on the the childhood so you grew up with some conflicting <laughs>
1: Conflicting energies. Is Conflicting a nice energies. Way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. What? What's this about? So, um, I'm an only child, but I, uh, my mom met uh, my stepfather when I was five, and then we moved in with their family. Um, uh. So my mom is this like blessed little angel stoner, just mm. like uh, just a little saint, you hippie? know, little hippie. Yeah, a little yeah. hippie. Love it. And then uh, we move in uh, with his family, and his he has two daughters, and one of them is like a hardcore pen cost. Um, and so, yeah, I just grew up from a really young age with these like two really conflicting sides of my family. Um, and just really struggling with the religious side of it because I, you know, I just, everything that I was being told was like, okay, you're, you're going to hell. You're a bad person. You're going to hell, you know, and just for just like trying to understand that as a young child is really heavy. Did, did that come out of any choices you made that they didn't approve of? Or were you just
0: automatically by default going to hell?
1: Well, in the Pentecost, uh, religion it's just like so many things are are, are deemed uh, evil. Like, you know, we couldn't play playing cards. We couldn't <sighs> drink alcohol. We couldn't, you know, so there was just so much of it that was seemed basic to, to everyone else, you know, uh, but also I came out at a really young age. I came out at uh, about, about 12 years old. Twelve yeah wow. i just all, all, always knew um and i, I was really fortunate because my mom uh my mom was like super accepting and uh she didn't even really make me tell her to be honest with you she like i didn't even really have to say the words i just like i brought home girls at points in my life and she was didn't make me feel weird about that at all mm. yeah so it was like a, a coming out by by action you not know? not so much i the, didn't sit them all down and be like hey guys you know but it 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 was, you know, this is my girlfriend from such a young age, and they didn't bad an eye. Honestly, it was oh, that's wonderful. But you know, my my other sister, like, obviously, that's completely against everything she believes. So uh, that's a that's a tough one. So was, it was like, the stepfather also religious? Um, yes, but in a more relaxed and and accepting way. Mm. Um, yeah, we definitely uh had our had our struggles. Um, uh, okay. but uh, yeah, no, it's he he was much more accepting of of, of everybody. Yeah, it's it was that and so I I started going to church with her at a young age because I figured there you know there was something wrong with me and I Oh my gosh. I um you know, and I don't know how much you know about the Pentecostal church, but they're the ones that speak in tongues and cry oh, and fall down and that the whole kid and caboodle. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> That's crazy. So it's pretty shocking to be exposed to that at a young age because nobody explains it to you. Like, I don't know why people are falling down around me. And when you're a kid, you're just kind of trying to fit in and whatever. Like, I remember my... My mom was like, you're not even you're not going back there because I just emulated them one day like I was like everyone would line up at the front and the pastor would come around and he would like put his hand on your forehead and he would just be like talking in tongues and then they would shake and they would fall to the ground. And then a little old lady would come over and put a little purple blanket over you and you would be like down on the ground for like several minutes overcome by the Holy Spirit. And I was kind of like a child and I was standing up there with them and I was like, okay, I guess this is how you church. So, <laughs> so, did you I, do so it? I did it, but like only like <gasps> kind of phony. It? Yeah. Like I was a yeah. kid. I was just playing along, you know, and not understanding like the gravity of it all. And I remember we went back and my, my sister told my mom that I had like, had the whole been overcome by the Holy Spirit. And my mom's like, you're not fucking going back there. Like, cause it's just, it was making me feel like, yeah, that I just like, wasn't a good person at such a young age. That is crazy. <laughs> And just just for doing basic things that like, yeah, well, I don't know. Everyone makes mistakes growing up, you know. And like, yeah, how dare um, you play with cards? Yeah, <laughs> yeah really,
0: Brie? Jesus Christ! Oh man, what
1: were you thinking?
0: <laughs> yeah. But. So did you have a moment of? um, I'm curious to know, like, a moment of, like, fuck this, I'm done. Because I grew up Catholic. Oh, that's a tough one. And I was the first in my family to say, I no longer want to go to church every Sunday. Right. And it was a big fucking deal for me to, like, take the stand to go, like, I no longer want to participate.
1: In yeah. this in this family ritual kind of thing. It was always a choice for, for me in my house. I was never forced. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, okay. I was never forced. Um, my sister obviously really, really always wanted me to be involved. And in some ways, like, I get it, you know, like they are a big community. Like, do I think it's a little culty? Yeah, for sure. But that's what I think. You know, right. like I, I you right. know what she thinks is her business. And um it I so I always had a choice. So I don't think it was as um. As dramatic as dramatic for me, because at, at, at some point I just decided it wasn't what I wanted, and that was okay. But you still had been exposed to it oh, in such yeah. a way. Yeah, definitely, the talking and tongues thing is crazy. It's it, to me, it sounds very satanic. What? What? You know, like uh, what does it sound like? I cannot emulate it because does, it I obviously would, doesn't sound like English. No, it is. J- it's quite literally. I once asked her like about it, and she said it's a language that is just between you and God. That's the only two people that understand yourself and God. Um, huh. And it is quite literally, it sounds like just absolute gibberish. Like if you were to like fake a language, that's what it would sound like. So
0: I sleep talk.
1: Interesting, yeah.
0: And I record it.
1: And I also
0: have night terrors. So there's a lot of recordings like on a weekly basis of me trembling and being scared Mm -hmm. at night, which is crazy. There was one recording that like, I was like, literally, it was pure gibberish. And it did, it sounded like, It sounded ancient, right? And it it really freaked me out. I was just like, is something coming over me? That's like from another time. Like, what's going on? But like, when I heard that, I was like, is that tongues? Like, is, was I speaking in tongues? Like, what's going on? But yeah, it's fr- fucking scary.
1: Yeah, it can, it can be scary. I remember being really young and like I watched an episode of um, CSI Miami, um. <laughs> where the the person like thought they were talking to God, which which my sister often also did, like think God was talking to her. Um, and so I was like, oh, like my sister, she's gonna kill us all like I remember like being so afraid like being like there's something like, taking it, over yeah like that that to me sounds scary you know and so I started scary. to fear it a little bit at a young age because it just it was so intense yeah <laughs> it's just like what the, what the fuck like this shouldn't be what religion is it
0: should be I mean I don't I actually don't know what it should be Um, are are you someone like, did you kind of take anything with you from that? That was like positive in your
1: life, like going forward or were you just like, no, I'm done. Honestly, like, uh, I would like to say I'm spiritual, but I'm, I'm not, I, I don't think I really took any values from it other than like your basics, you know, like obviously I try to be a good person and I try to treat people the way I want to be treated. And like, um, if anything, like the the values that I took more aligned with like Buddhism or something like that. Oh, but lovely. again, it's not something I practice. Like it's not something I actively seek. Um, uh, I, I honestly really wish I could be a little bit better at like meditation or something like that because yeah. it seems very peaceful. <laughs> it seems
0: like it would be a nice thing to embrace like in daily life, but like, it's almost like you need to have a lifestyle that would support that. Mm-hmm. And not everyone does. Like, not everyone has the free time to, like, Oh, dude, I invest. think everyone
1: does. We just don't. We like, just don't. That's yeah, so true. I remember, like, we don't make the time. Yeah, I remember being like, oh, if I just had the time, I would, like, definitely exercise. And then the <laughs> pandemic hit, and I just took edibles for months at a time. Like, <laughs> it's not the time. I have the time. You have I just time you choose
0: just... to be a piece of shit. That's right. It's just easy to make other choices. <laughs> yeah. It's just (laughs) tough to, like, establish routines. Are are you someone who has, like, a lot of, like, routines? Are you good at, like, keeping your life together? No.
1: (laughs) No. Perfect! No. I I think being a flight attendant for so long where there was no schedule, no Uh, method to the madness, that started me off. And then... You know, then I'm a server slash comedian. Like, there's no method to that madness either. You're on the road all the time. Like, there's, I've never lived a nine to five existence where I could possibly have a routine. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a partier, so that doesn't allow for for much <laughs> scheduling.
0: You are currently waiting until you're in your mid-30s. Oh, you
1: think that's where I'm going to hit the peak? I mid-30s. dread to see that. 35, baby,
0: is like a hard age. <laughs> tolerance. Well, actually, I shouldn't say shit. I, I hardly drank during the pandemic and that's what took down my tolerance. But now
1: I can get drunk off of like three, three drinks. Honestly, I wish I uh, drank a little less. I feel like Newfoundland culture is like so drinking heavy. It is. And, you know, there's not much to do there besides drink. And then, yeah, you just end up. Yeah, it's such a it's such a big part of my life and not in like a I mean. Knock on wood, but like not in an alcoholism way, but just in a, it's a, it's a big part of my life. It is for sure. Yeah. Can I ask you, okay.
0: So I'm, I always wonder this about people who are, are people who partake in booze. Have you
1: ever done comedy drunk? I, to be honest, I have probably one or two before I go on stage almost every time. Oh, that's Um, not, that's not drunk though. Yeah. But I've never been, uh, oh, actually, you know what? That's a lie. When I, uh, I used to run a show, um, in St. John's called cocktail comedy where we would literally all, we were, it was like in like this beautiful five-star like boutique hotel and everyone would wear literal ball gowns it was so nuts it was awesome yeah it it was oh my god it was such a good time just something different to do right so so different um and like you know we had a free bar tab for everybody so like i I would always host so by the end of the show yeah i think i would definitely consider myself drunk Um, right yeah is that a weird experience i mean uh again like in newfoundland the the people that come see you all the time, I think there's such a pressure, the reason there's such like a pressure to be constantly writing in Newfoundland is because the same people come see you all the time. It's regulars. Oh. It's a small place, Oh boy. so everybody comes to see everything all the time, and so you feel this pressure to, like, create new content constantly. Yeah. Um, but, so, because it's, like, the same people, you kind of become friends with them, and it's a little more leisurely than it would be to, like, for me to show up in Halifax today and do a show drunk. Like, right. I would, that would be embarrassing for me. Right, right, right. But, right, right. uh, yeah, no, I definitely have at least one. I'm just so nervous i am uh the epitome of a nervous comic i did not see that at all last night well no as soon as i take the mic i'm fine but before i get there like my head is in the toilet like i throw up almost before every single show oh definitely because i did i was watching
0: i i will admit like i was observing what you do because I, i have a yuck show coming up in a couple weeks there and i'm just like uh, like what do I do like do I bring a set list up do I not like do I bring a drink up do I not and so I was watching you and I did notice that you that you went to the bathroom just before your set mm-hmm. and I assumed nervous pee because I, I have to nervous pee before every single set and I'm talking like like I wait till the comic before me is up and then I go mm-hmm. Cause it's just like I nervous pee like five times before I reset.
1: Yeah, I've never been able to shake it, and you know what? Oh, I shit. I don't feel like mentally I'm insecure about it. Like I feel like I'm I'm doing good at, at what Hell I'm doing. Yeah, you are. But my body's like, oh, you're sure you're not being poisoned? Like I just like I'm. I feel so sick before I get up and take the line. Um, and that's getting better. It's lessening a little bit as the years go on, but like not entirely. You know, I get I get so nervous. And, but you know yourself
0: at this point, you know, it's, you, you just kind of, you're like, this is happening and this is what I'm used to. As soon as
1: I step out, I'm fine. So yeah. I, it's just before, you it's know, just the, the before It's the go. Oh God. The waiting, the waiting to go up is the worst. But in that same breath, I hate going first. So it's like, I want to wait, but not too long. Honestly, <laughs> second or third is
0: the best spot. Yeah. Truly like seconds. Great. Cause you get to see how the other comics doing. <laughs> and then yeah. you also don't have to sit through the whole show.
1: And you were saying, um, you know, I, I know you're saying you're, you're fairly new to, yeah. to comedy, right? Um, people tell you that it's unprofessional to take a set list uh, on stage. And in some ways they're right. I, I think that it is a, a mastercraft of, of people who, who don't. Um, personally, me, I have ADHD and I. Yeah. Um, oh, me too. Mm. And I, you know, my memory is shit. And and I I love taking a set list on stage Thank with me. Ding that. Hold the bell up and ding it.
0: <laughs> Cause Bree, I I have yet to do a set without it. And I, so I'm that's a big insecurity of mine that I'm I'm trying to I'm actually trying to get to a point where I can mem- memorize everything. But again, ADHD <sighs> and the memory thing, and I'm so scared of blanking.
1: Honestly, like the way I see it, if someone ever tells me I'm not allowed to, I fine, I won't. However, if nine words written on a piece of paper is going to enhance my performance for myself, the crowd, for everything involved, like, who fucking cares? That's right. And you know
0: what I noticed with you? It was a very tiny piece of paper. It was hardly noticeable. Yeah. Like, you you literally had it on a pad. And I was watching because I, I also <laughs> have never taken a drink on stage with me because mm. that's how uptight I am. And I noticed, I was like, oh, damn. Like, I never once saw you look at your notes. Mm. But- all almost, it's almost like the drink can act as like a. Focal that's exactly point. what it is. So oh, you just, fuck yeah. you
1: just take a, a sip of your drink, and take you a glance. peek down at your next word, and, and that's it. And it's know? and
0: no one knows, and mm-hmm. it's and you did amazing. And the audience,
1: the thing is, I get that that's how this has been run for a long time, and I get that that's what's professional. And you know, I believe the old the old dogs, the gatekeepers, that this is not something that you should do. And I understand it looks less professional. I really do. I get it, but also. I feel like the audience doesn't give a fuck. They don't know. Like you just said, you didn't even see me do it. I didn't right? even like, see you do it. They, they don't care that I need another word no. to like get to my next. I, I just, I, I truly don't think it matters and I hope we move away from it. Um, Thank you. Yes. Ugh, oh. being so um, c- considered so unprofessional now we might never, and this might be bad advice that I'm telling you to do it. No, but,
0: I, no, I don't think it's bad advice. I think I, I just, I truly think some people's minds are, Um, They just run differently than others. I have the worst memory. I would not be shocked if, like, I get Alzheimer's at some point. That's how bad my memory um, is.
1: I was talking to a a comic, um, because obviously, you know, I have uh, Winnipeg Comedy Festival coming up. Oh, congrats! Winnipeg Comedy Fest! Fuck yeah! Yeah. Thank you. And one of the things I was talking, um, to a, a fellow comedian that's going to be on the same gala as me. And I was like, the thing I'm most worried about is I always take a set list on stage and I know I can't. Right. Uh, and he was like, Oh dude, they, they'll just put your set list on the teleprompter <gasps> dream. What a dream. I literally like, that's exactly how I felt. You know, I was like, Oh, here it is. Right. Like you forget that like they're going to have resources for you and that everyone kind of needs that. Like yeah. I. You know, they're like, yeah, they'll just, they'll put your set list up for you.
0: It's an insane fucking thing. Like, and anyone listening who's like, yeah, I I expect no notes. Like try doing it yourself. Like, especially if you're like a non-comic, like Mm -hmm. making this judgment on us. Like it is, it's not an easy thing to do to like memorize all this material. And I think you and I work the same in that it's usually just a fucking word that triggers your memory again. Mm -hmm. And all you need is to see that one word Mm -hmm. and then you're fucking good. You're.
1: Like, yeah. the ship has I, taken off. I would off. rather, as an audience member, I think I might rather see somebody look down at a square of paper and see a word than hum and haw. Than freeze. Yeah, you know, like, I just, I think yes. that would be my preference as an audience member. I
0: feel more secure when waitress says, write my order down. Yeah,
1: there you go, right?
0: I just do. I just feel like, yeah, they're going to get they got me yeah i can rely on them that's actually a great point yeah it just it it feels like you care more in a, yeah. in, a, in a weird way mm. i'm pro set list i don't you know that's yeah i mean i've never done it without so mm-hmm. i I, don't... I did
1: my second set ever because Ooh. somebody told me that i i shouldn't have a set list my uh, second set ever i got i kind of um uh I I guess like hit the ground running. Like I, I performed once. I loved it. So my second set was this pro show that I had no business being on. (laughs) And, um, I went out without my set list and I, uh, forgot what I was saying. I froze. And then I, Kind of like rapidly got off the stage and I bawled in the back of the oh, the room because I was just gosh. like, I was like, oh, fuck. Like it just like I don't have what the, it was like a fluke that I did at this one time. But thankfully, it was an all women's show that I was on. And all they did was comfort me, make fun of me just slightly and sent me back out on. They were like, take a look at your notes, go back out on stage and finish. And that's what I did oh my god, you yeah. had a Taylor Swift Beyonce moment. Mm, they were so good to me. They're actually, I don't know if you know uh, Moms Girls or a sketch group out of nope. St. John's. I'm going to look them up now. Yeah, they're fantastic. Moms Girls, okay. And uh, yeah, so uh, one of the members of, of Moms Girls had booked me for this show and yeah, they just like they they were like, just go back out and finish. Well, and uh, and one, I Well,
0: number one, like anyone booking someone second set on a pro
1: show... Mm. Oof. You have to expect me to fuck up a little, but <laughs> absolutely
0: there should be some major grace given to you. My goodness. Well, that's very comforting to hear because I'm it's I got it's I don't think it's, it's the end of the world. It's I a big insecurity for me, mm-hmm. like a huge one. And I got to I got to do the drink thing. I got to bring a drink up because mm-hmm. that gives you the, the
1: reason to look down at the stool as your mm-hmm. drink is your drinks there.
0: Yeah, there you go. I'm just I'm honestly just scared oh, that I'm going to drink you want a real long.
1: pro one. A real pro tip is if you really don't want to bring your set list on stage, but you still need it. Are you ready for this one? Write it on a can? No, you take your little note and you write it up and then you stick it where the label of the beer would be and you just hold your can of beer and every now and then you take a glance down.
0: Like, so like I'm holding
1: (laughs) it like this, but, but I would have to make sure that I never face that towards the audience. I mean, they can't see it. It doesn't matter. Right. Just literally like, and uh, like I have done that on shows where it's like, you can take your drink, but there's no stool. So, Ooh, so I my would nightmare, take it, <laughs> and I would literally just stick a little stick a little thing right here on my thing. Because again, it is quite literally nine words on a piece of paper. You yeah. know that is all I need. It, it's a guide. It's not actually
0: notes. Yeah, it's your guide. Yeah, it's your syllabus.
1: Yeah, there you go. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> all right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best. Um, do you? So Bree, so I have the rant segment, which is something that is pissing you off that you can pop off about and it can be it can even be dumb a little tiny thing Mm -hmm. that maybe people do that pisses you off do you have any do you have a rant
1: Uh, i got something that's bothering me lately. Ooh, yeah, sure. Let's do it. <laughs> let's pop off. All right. Um, I think, uh, the biggest thing for me, especially in comedy right now is that I have spent, uh, ever since I started comedy five years ago, I've been a producer too. Right. And yes. so I've worked really hard at that. And I think it was like a big part of the reason I have any even mild success uh, right now is that uh, I, I did produce and get to know everybody that way. And it was hard. We we created a competition in Newfoundland where almost everyone in Newfoundland came out to uh, be a part of it and competed for like three grand for like years in a row. Oh, wow. I else, uh, you know, did several different mics and pro shows and just like really put the the time and effort into it. Um, but I I'm. Feeling like all that does is kind of put you in this weird hot seat. It puts you in this like tiny position of authority just so much that like if anything happens you have to be the police you know you have to be the police to decide who gets time and who doesn't and you know who's problematic and who isn't and oh, yeah. you know and it is just uh, it's a really tough position I just want to do comedy and have <sighs> fun with my friends and go there and do my time and just be a comic and I, I accidentally put myself in a position where that wasn't the only thing I'm responsible for right. and I'm, I'm stepping away from that now um, fuck yeah I just want to just, just be a comic, but it's a, it's a big decision, you know, cause uh, Newfoundland's a small place and it, it needs people to, to do the things and do the shows. And, uh, you know, we, we had our, our just for laugh showcase there very recently, uh, which was awesome. Nice. But like, I think that was the last thing I'm, I'm going to produce just because it, it gets really toxic and you're always the problem and you can't win. You know, you have, <sighs> Um, you ha it doesn't matter if it's like from the left or from the right, you've got, uh, you know, freedom of speech, people that want to say whatever they want on every show and be a part of everything. And that's fine. Do that again. It's a solo act. But then you've got people on the extreme left that you can't have those people involved right in in your thing because they're problematic and I get that but it's like I how am I possibly the authority on this you know <sighs> we're just trying to do our little skits and have a good time and get somewhere with this and practice so that we can leave and be bigger than than just performing in Newfoundland My and- god yes it is such a beast to take on
0: producing in addition to doing stand up
1: and it's like I just feel like people should
0: take the stance of like, here's a show. This is what the show is. Either do it or don't. Yeah. If you're gonna do it, don't like bitch and complain about it. Mm-hmm. Like the show just is what it is. Trust the producer. The producer, you yeah. know. Like I don't know. It's and it's. I, I think
1: like the the biggest portion of it is like choosing. Um you deciding when someone is problematic is really tough. I, I don't feel like I have the authority or the power or the knowledge to decide. And like I'm always like I I believe women. I if someone says a man is problematic, I wanna believe them all the time. And but that gets tangly and and hard to be the one in that seat that has to then Right. You know, uh, control that. And right. it's, uh, you know, it shouldn't and,
0: land on one person.
1: No. It know? really should not. But in if you are a producer it does you know and and in such a small city like mine like we we really leave a lot of the pressure on the individuals the individual comics to create a safe space and I think it's really important to but it's no doubt difficult to do
0: like self-regulate yeah and that's how it should be should be done
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah and it's and it just it goes beyond like the Again, it goes beyond. It's, it takes what could be simple—a show, a event based around something we all love—and mm-hmm. it makes it not about that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this, I'm just uh, the sick second of being that, the police. The second that happens, it sucks the fun out of comedy, mm-hmm. both planning it and doing
1: it. Yeah, I just want to. Yeah, I just want to get booked. I don't want to book anything else. You know what? I fucking respect that. It is to do both.
0: It is. Tough mm-hmm. to do like a regular room, and then also try to focus on your. Oh man, it's just yeah, it's a lot of work. Kudos to you for for doing it, and and also kudos to you for for realizing it wasn't for you and stepping back. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, that's I've got to that's like a, a good act of self care for yourself, oh. and it'll just make you better comic because now all your energy is going in yeah to what, writing yeah to what matters and not other things. So kudos. <laughs> Yeah, good. That's a good rant. That's a very relevant rant. I think people will will like that one. Um, so the other one, the other segment I have, uh, so this is to prove that you're not perfect. <laughs> okay. So this is what's wrong with you. So... You mentioned ADHD, Mm -hmm. Uh, but like what? Yeah, what are you struggling with navigating in your life, making better? What's wrong with you?
1: Yeah, uh, well, within comedy, I think definitely, like I was saying, it's like I'm I am so nervous all the time. I wish I could have one ounce of the confidence of any man in the scene. Um, I I really wish that I just uh, didn't have such strong imposter syndrome. Is the Mm -hmm. biggest one for me, like. Every time I get booked for something I'm like what am I doing on this lineup you know like what am I what am I doing here like I can't just take my seat at the fucking table and I I wish I could you know Aww. I wish that uh I wish that I could um just like feel like I uh I'm deserve getting it. I'm getting something cuz I deserve it yeah cuz I've worked hard for it you know I really wish that I could I could get there um but honestly yeah and and I think I touched on it earlier too, like treating it like a job. Like this, this feels like um, something that, uh, while I have worked for it, it also feels somewhat like it's fallen in my lap. Like it, uh, it was like, oh, this is just like a fun thing I was doing with my friends, and now all of a sudden I have to figure out how to pay my taxes as a comedian. <laughs> like you know, I don't. <laughs> I, uh...
0: It's the all the the businessy the well because you're self employed, mm-hmm. so you have to figure out what it's like to be a self employed person, yeah. which has all these mundane details that you don't always prepare for when you're just diving into it. There's no
1: rule book. Nobody tells you how to do it. You know, like I know uh, I did a, a Just for Laughs originals album um, a, about six months ago or something. And so on this tax run, I, I had to figure out how to both get my money and pay all my taxes for that. And uh, let me tell you, I did not do the work Oh, because I get sad. so like anxious about the like math makes me cry finances makes me cry like it is just such a stressful thing to deal with yes no oh yeah
0: yeah, I, and maybe it's an ADHD thing, but I, I also suck at that as just a non self employed person. And I'm like I'm like the biggest challenge of life is just gathering the five forms that I need <laughs> yeah. for taxes. Like you'd think it was like going to Mordor or something for the ring. <laughs> like like it, it's just like oh you need this, have this form filled out, and then you gotta get this one from the bank, and it's just like
1: why is this so hard? But it's not hard for some people. No, I know, and uh, yeah, my partner's a finance advisor like, oh, it, shit. Yeah, yeah, like I've had re- fun with those he's a, he's had a, he has a good grasp on all of it but I just like, I can't do it every yeah. part of it makes me cry like I just have yeah. no I have no sense of like I can I can make that happen you know money in general is oh, such oh, a so stress, stress. Yeah, it's so stressful. I'm like, I grew up so poor, so I feel like every, I'm so weird about my money. Like, my partner wanted us to like get shared bank accounts because that's what married people do. And I was like, you know, he's a, a well-off man. And I'm like, no, I'll keep my $7 over here. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear it's good to do both. Keep your $7 over (laughs) there, And then also have like the, like that's what I hear from people is like, have the joint and have your
1: own. Yeah. It's just, it's money's too crazy. And it's like, I I feel uh, stressed about being governed in, in any way that way. Like I would never want uh yeah, to, to have complete shared finances. That's so scary for me. That is, a, that's a lot of trust. Yeah. But I mean, if we're talking flaws, what else do I got? Um, I'm a smoker. I'm a drinker. I sleep no more than five hours a night and uh, oh, try to still. Oh, you don't still, sleep. Yeah, a bit of a late, uh, late night gal and an early morning gal. So I don't know. Uh, oh, now I crash every now and then and do like a full day in bed. For sure.
0: That's what I do too. <laughs> I stockpile sleep. Yeah. Just like none,
1: none, 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 12 hours. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> which is not how you're supposed to do sleep,
1: apparently. No, definitely not. I definitely don't do any of that correctly. Oh, my um, gosh. But, you know, listen, we're all working on it. Like I said, and got this therapy thing. We'll figure it out. And were you diagnosed with ADHD? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, dyslexia at the same time. Oh, no Not how I was a grown-ass woman, though, which was interesting. You know, those
0: two, Um, well, yeah, it is very, because women- It's very typical of women to not get diagnosed until adulthood.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize anything was really wrong until I was uh, straight out of high school. I went to university uh, for a very short period of time because I'm not just not a studious person. Wasn't for me. But also I was like doing these exams and I was like, oh man, like I really feel like I know this material, but people are walking out and I'm on the second page, you know, and I just like I really couldn't wrap my head around Mm. how to test like it was so stressful for me. And so I talked to my professor and they like put me through some testing and yeah it turns out i'm very dyslexic and it's like you should have been having hours more time oh, to do these exams right and God damn but like how do you get through your entire school experience without anybody catching that you know and that's I, wild it's it's so strange but and then from then on
0: did did they did it help like did they give you more time from that oh on? definitely but yeah. i yeah
1: school just wasn't for me and i would finish everything else at that point so wasn't
0: I'm, I'm curious was it reading or writing or both it's both. both. It's, all it's all of it. All, it's yeah. kind of a mish, it's kind
1: of a mishmash. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Fuck, I'm not very good at any of it. But uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's it, it. It again, you can't help it. Like no. it's 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 just your your brain. And I mean, there's tricks now. Like you know, now obviously I have like. Uh, there's certain even like fonts for your computer that are better for oh, no people way. with dyslexia and also just like reading, you know, you just learn the little paper trick where you pull the paper down as you read, you know, like oh. lots of little things that are helpful, of course, that have changed my life in a lot of ways. But um yeah, it's. Part of your life. Yeah, definitely. As with, as so funny, my comedy notes, I'm a big, like, write it in the book gal. I'm not a type it in the phone person. So, like, I carry my notebook everywhere and I write things down. But even I have trouble reading my penmanship when I go back to, like, look through my comedy notes. You, like, can't make sense of it. Yeah, I'm like, God only knows what that says.
0: I'm curious about the font things. There's certain fonts. Yeah, there
1: are certain fonts that are programmed, like, to be better for people with uh, dyslexia. They're just, like, further apart or I don't know how it works, but there's, yeah, it, it is very effective like the programming on my computer is if I were to sit down and look at your computer versus mine, it's, it's very different. Fuck man, man. And ADHD, when did that come into your life? Uh, again, that's something that went under my radar and I, and I didn't know and, and tell a, a, a similar timeline when I started uh, going to counseling and stuff. And um, I think the biggest uh, factor for me is like being a student is so hard yeah. and to focus on one thing and just sit down and do it I, I don't know how anybody does it um, but also it's just like not really how my brain works so that's fine too right like there's I'm still fascinated I still love to learn things I just don't learn very well out of a textbook or that's right you, know, you, just,
0: you learn a different way yeah yeah and that's the thing with ADHD people like we take so much in all mm-hmm. at once that we can actually use that to our advantage it's just not in the traditional way yeah that, like, most people can learn. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. Gosh. And are
1: you medicated for that? No, I'm no. not. Yeah. I, Free balling uh, on it. Yeah, I'm figuring that out. Medication, mm. I think, is probably a uh, uh, near in my future. Oh. Um, but it's something I've... Uh, I struggled with the stigma for a long time, I think, with medication, as we all do. Yes. And uh, it wasn't until, like, this new therapist that I'm, like, figuring out... Uh, you know, depression and, and anxiety. I don't feel like it's something I struggled with my whole life, but, um, I do feel like it's something I'm struggling with now. And we're just trying to figure out if it's situational or if it's, uh, you know, or yeah. if it's a, a a forever thing. And I'm just a little embarrassingly enough, um, because I, I'm so adamant on anyone taking the medication they need, but it is hard to accept that you need it yourself sometimes.
0: Isn't that that mm-hmm. is so true? And that's why so many people go so long without being medicated mm-hmm. for things. And I will say, like, I do think I also think people hype it up mm-hmm. and they think it's just going to change as soon as you start taking it. And it's like you got to give it a couple months, even longer. Sometimes you got to try different doses. You, you might there might be certain brands that work better for you than others like it's 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 such a long journey yes absolutely and then the other thing is is like you're actually not supposed to stay on it permanently like really you know antidepressants they're supposed to get you well enough that you can you know make better choices for yourself Mm -hmm. and 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 find better coping skills and eventually go off of it you're not supposed to be on it forever
1: Yeah, I I don't know. um, I don't know about it, to be honest. I don't know about the long term uh, effects or or anything like that, but I've watched it work so well for so many people I love. And like, so that's changing. I think as long as we all keep talking about it, people are going to start feeling better.
0: That's right. Normalizing. Mm Got to normalize it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, I love that. I love I love
0: talking with a fellow ADHD girl because <laughs> I it's just like eh, one of us. Like <laughs> <laughs> you're one of us. Um, love it. So okay, last segment, and then I will release you to the world. Um, so unpopular opinion. Don't hate me for this, but it's time for unpopular opinion. So something you think that a lot of people disagree with you on or Mm. people would go, you think that you're crazy for thinking that (sighs) does anything, does anything come to mind? Uh,
1: yeah, I think, um, well, I think this one is definitely becoming more, um, more common and more talked about, but I definitely just like think, uh, I I really believe in, in non-monogamy. I think we, we you know, oh, we, we let's it. I, do it. Let's get into it. I think that it. like, um, when I, when I first was exposed to it, I just think if I had been taught that at a uh. younger age, cause I feel like we go through school, um, and just like, you know, our younger lives and we don't really learn about the different types of relationships that you can have. We only learn about your fucking basic, you know, Boyfriend, and girlfriend. Wait, exactly. Right. Yeah. And so I just think if I had been exposed to like what kinds of relationships I could have had in my life, I would have hurt a lot less people. Oh, I would have, yeah. I, I, you know, I would have understood that you can love more than one person that, you know, sex doesn't always equal love and and all of these different aspects of Life that have taken me falling on my ass a million times to learn, like, if we just had the exposure to that as a younger person and just, like, understood that those situations work and they're actually quite beautiful. Yeah. And, like, I even, you know, it, um, I had a roommate, his name was Alex, he's a very lovely man, and it was just me and him, we lived together. And he got this girlfriend and she was non-monogamous. so he decided he was gonna be they were gonna be in a polyamorous relationship. and at first I was like, oh, she's gonna hurt you, babe. like she's gonna hurt you. you know you're not gonna be her priority and that's truly what I believed because that's mm-hmm. what was that's what's beaten into you and yeah. but I have since seen so many people in my life fucking thrive at- <laughs> with non-monogamy. And it is, honestly, I just think it, there's something real beautiful about it. And if you feel like it's for you, that you should do it because it's, you know, you have a little bit of unlearning to do in certain yes. scenarios of, because we all, we're humans, we're jealous, we and, you know, it's different things have been beat into us over the years of what a relationship is supposed to look like. But That's you make right. up, you make up the rules, uh, you make up your own path and if, yeah, if if you think that could work for you. I, I also know. love that you you use the term non-monogamy and not
0: polyamory because my whole thing is polyamory is not for everybody but there's a lot of fucking people who are putting themselves in monogamous relationships and they are very much so not a monogamous person Mm -hmm. and that's when cheating happens and that's when heartbreak happens and it's like if these people
1: would just realize
0: you don't have to be in a relationship you could just be as long Alone as, as long free. as you are
1: honest, yeah, honest with everyone. As long as you are honest, I feel like you can do anything. And that that took me a long time to learn that there wasn't something wrong with me. Um, you know that uh, I uh, honestly I, I have cheated in my lifetime mm-hmm. and. I carry that guilt every single day of my life. You know, it was, it was someone I, I loved right. and I was so confused about how could I be such a bad person? How could right. I, how could I have been such a bad person to hurt someone I love just for sex, you right. know? And it took me so long to learn that sex doesn't equal love. And, and, I still, you know, am working through forgiving myself for that. But like, I think if I had been more aware of the options, of the so true. the lifestyles that I, I could have, you know, not been carrying this weight around with me all these years. And, A lot of people could rid themselves of guilt and make better decisions. Yeah, well, and just not hurt hurt other people. Not hurt other like, people. Yeah, it's not just about me carrying the guilt. Like I, uh, you know, in in some ways, I feel like. Guilt is is necessary, you know. It it doesn't let me away with the bad things I do, but you might not might not have been a bad thing to do in the first place if you That's could right. understand it, no monogamy exactly. At a young
0: age. And if you would set yeah, set it up for yourself in that way, mm-hmm. it is it is just yeah. It it's shocking to me how some people still reject it, where it's like <laughs> like you've cheated on a lot of people. Like maybe just give this a try. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and maybe you'd have less hurt and less like. Um, like bad past relationships kind of thing. I'm demisexual. So the I actually don't know what that means. Oh, you don't? No. So demi is essentially like you need like emotional connection to be okay, like sexually sexually attracted, which is interesting because there's a lot of people who are both demi and poly. Um, and I don't know how I would get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> if I did that like it just it takes a lot for me to be sexually attracted it doesn't necessarily mean like you have to be in love with everyone but like you I need more than just a like you're hot at the bar let's go home like I just want to make out with everyone all the time yeah see it's a different, yeah. but like for <laughs> me I'm like I want to plan our wedding now right like <laughs> I'm like and it took but it took me a while I think there was a time in my life that I wasn't Dummy, but like it—it it has shifted over time. Where and I mean, your like, priorities change
1: too, right? It does. Like, not take away from this the sexuality of it,
0: but it—it does for sure. Because like, I haven't been in a relationship in ten years, mm-hmm. so like, I'm craving that, right? So it would make sense that like, I would I would just generally want a more emotional I am emotional like connection. addicted to love. Oh, I, girl, I love
1: love. I love other people being in love. I love being in love. I. There's something about it, like I, and you know, in in many ways, that has made me be in relationship after relationship. I love falling in love, you know. I love being a partner. Like it is, it is such a beautiful, beautiful thing for me, and I've always kind of been obsessed with it. So I truly do understand your your idea of like, oh, I'd get nothing done because i what I don't get anything done. Like I, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I like just become so overwhelmingly obsessed with everyone. Like oh, all the interesting. Time. Have you ever looked into love addiction? Uh, I've heard of it. Oh, yes, I've heard of it. Oh, <laughs>
0: shit. I'm a love addict. Mm. And and, p- and then people go, that doesn't make sense. You haven't had a relationship in so long. And I go, that's, you don't need, you don't need that to be a love addict. It is like this all and. En- in, in, oh man I can't say that word it's this, uh, this like overwhelming um, like it just takes you over and mm-hmm. you get you do get very attached and like I I will love someone very hard for years and it will take me years to get over somebody and then I will like I recently got over someone and I have not been horny in like a year
1: I'm sorry to hear that
0: like it, it, it happens but it happens like like on with my cycle, like
1: right. because biologically, I have to be horny. I feel like I even feel like that level of love for my friends, though. Like I was saying, like, yeah. I just have this. I have this core like connection. group. Oh, yeah. I love connection. That's exactly it. Like yeah. I I value all of the people in my life so much that like. I think uh, I even give just a, the same level of love to them. You right. know, so like that, maybe might, I am a love addict. No, actually, I don't think you are. Well, I mean, it depends. Like there's
0: a, I'll send you the link. There's 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 12 signs. Um, The one that oh, you
1: do believe in self-therapy. Eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, girl.
0: I'm big. I'm big into this. Uh, but the 12 when I read the 12 signs, I was like, oh, I really identify with these. The one that stuck out to me was like. Like you might not be a love addict because obviously like you seem very happy and these seem like very healthy relationships for you with love addicts. It's like it's almost like a codependency thing. The one that stuck to me that really made me go, oh, my God. Yes, it was like we assign magical qualities to other people.
1: Much and in. then we get
0: mad when they don't follow through on them. Oh, just like high expectations. So like idealizing.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: And like, and then you're just like the idealized person is that's all you see and you right. don't see. And that's like why love addicts stay in bad relationships and right. it's, they're always fighting with their partners or they're, you know, like right. it's this, like, it's just very unhealthy. So I would say if you're someone who identifies with that statement, look into the 12, 12 symptoms Symptoms. Twelve signs that you might be a love addict because it's
1: hell. It's not fun. Interesting. No, I have to say, my I'm I'm very lucky. Mine's all positive. So I love that. Yeah, You you're yeah. But the one my biggest toxic trait with that situation is that like I could literally never be alone again. I could, you could sit next to me and read a book while I take a bath. You could never leave my house again. Oh. I could have all my friends in my space hundred percent of the time. I don't need time to recharge away from people. Oh, so you're a true, true extrovert. Yeah. Like I, and like, don't get me wrong. I like to like be quiet sometimes, mm. but like be quiet with me, lay with me. Like, you know, like I, I don't need space away from people as long as there are ah. people that like take from my energy. There's some people that I'm, you know, that are just exhausting to be around and that's So, in therapy, did you ever talk about attachment styles? No, not yet. I'll get
0: there. Because you
1: might be, like, a securely
0: attached person
1: who just, you just,
0: relationships are just easy for you.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I have no idea. But, like, yeah, I will, like, it is nothing for, like, my friends to literally probably spend the entire weekend in my home. Wow. And uh, it just doesn't bother me. Like, I'll... Right. Oh my god!
0: One of the assumptions I almost wrote, wrote down for you was I can picture you being <laughs> This is so weird. I need a compilation of Sarah making it weird. Uh, I was just like, I just picture you as like like the the friend that like would change in front of people.
1: Oh, definitely, <laughs> big time. In fact, I I, I forget. <laughs> I forget it makes people uncomfortable. I have to like, I'm I'm at a point finally where I'm like, oh yeah, you should always ask. (laughs) Don't just like whip your tits out. But like, that's like, I had a,
0: I had a a long time ago podcast, two podcast guests that were the same way. And like after the podcast, it just became this like party of like trying on each other's clothes. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh
1: my God, like that's not me, but that's you. And I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's so interesting. I I don't know. I never even think twice about it. And then my partner, he was like in theater all growing up. So like that is just like you're all changing in front of you all each other all the time with like costume changes and stuff so he's very exposed to it too so we all like we all get ready at my house to go out for every weekend and everyone is just literally you know trying on everything yeah well there you go Mm because i looked at your instagram
0: and i was like like you seem like you have like a good girl gang of like oh i do oh that's so nice yeah
1: they're so wonderful and is
0: it like is it um are you all in the same vicinity or are there some people kind of like scattered
1: um, well, I mean, I, I definitely am lucky enough to have friends all over. But in St. John's, we have like a really core group. We actually call ourselves the Seven O Nine Sad Boys Club. Seven O Nine Sad Boys Club. <laughs> and uh, why yeah. sad boys? Uh, I think yeah, we're all <laughs> we're all depressed. That's probably it. <laughs> but no, we 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 do well together. But like it's. Um yeah, we're just so lucky we just get to spend all this time together. I feel like I never get sick of them, you know? I could literally uh, just spend every day with them. That's so
0: nice. Yeah. So you're like you're like a true people person. I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Do people yeah. ever piss you off? Um sure. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm human. I'm a human being. People piss me off. Um yeah, definitely. I mean, things I have things that are triggering like I um I think definitely just like, uh, respective space. Uh, I know I said, I just, I could have anyone around all the time, right. but like strangers, like if like strangers get really in your space, you can't, and you, you know, can't over, you shouldn't overstep.
0: Yeah. Cause I think, yeah, I think when you say like, like I'm comfortable with people, I have people around all the time. It's like, some people might see that as like, you don't have boundaries, but you do mm-hmm. like, I actually think they might
1: be right. I think I have no, I have to learn. Really? I have to learn other people's boundaries. Cause I feel like I have none. Like I had a my uh, my my girlfriends, we all lived together for a long time, uh, many, many years, and uh, they have very clear boundaries that they had to teach me because like oh. I would just like they'd be in their room and I would just like go on in and like curl up with them and be like, how was your day? You know, like, right. Um, and they had to be like, oh, well, if my door is closed, that means I am like having private time, which like any person should realize but not me you know what I mean I'm the mom that like knocks while I'm on the way in the door like I just like Aww. I I don't yeah I, I never needed it so I I was taught it I was taught those boundaries by my close friends
0: but maybe your boundaries are just a little more unseen yeah I mean we'll, we'll have to dig to find them but I have no idea where
1: they are You're
0: <laughs> <laughs> So where's Waldo of your boundaries? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm sure they're there, but you could you also just you could be someone who's again securely attached. I'd I'd be interested to know what you dig into with the therapy stuff mm-hmm. like cuz cuz once you figure out attachment stuff, you think of things very differently. Like I'm a very anxious attached person. I'm just like, eh, don't leave me. Don't leave me ever. Like mm. I'm like, and it's it's but you seem you seem good. Like maybe you're secure. Maybe. Who knows? Secure. Maybe I'm attached. healthy after all. An actual securely attached comedian. <laughs> I never thought I would see the day.
1: Well listen, I'll do a few more years of therapy and then you'll have me on again and we'll see where I'm at. We'll do
0: a follow up episode. <laughs> but yeah, like maybe. I'm very proud of you for for being in therapy and being open about it and like doing the self work despite having like you have a lot of healthy relationships i think a lot of times people go into therapy because they don't um Mm. and they think they can skip that but you're you're in it and you're still learning and good for you that's awesome thank you that's great fuck yeah
1: oh it's been so nice to spend time with you yeah
0: this was i i feel like i got a crash course in brie (laughs) not the cheese you um, you must get that so much. The yeah, first must time be, I ever heard that one. That must be so like
1: breathe the cheese. <laughs> that must be the worst. So many greasy old <laughs> men on the airplanes would just be like, "Do you taste like the cheese?" And oh, I'm like,
0: "Oh god!"
1: Oh, big time!
0: Oh my gosh! Ew! <laughs> oh my
1: lord! Okay,
0: well, thank you so much for for coming on. I want to turn it over to you and give you the chance to like mention. What you want to promote? Where can people find you? Potentially oh, cool. come see you at a show. Yeah, we listeners all over Canada, so you never know.
1: Nice. Okay, yeah. Well, coming up uh, next month, well, I'm going to be in the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, and I'm going to be in the Debaters. Oh, my God. That's so awesome. Yeah. So, that's going to be really exciting. Did you do it yet? No, this will be my first time. No way. Yeah. Do you know what your topic is? Yeah, but I'm not sure if I'm allowed to share Uh, it. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. But you. So, you have the prep time, though. Yeah. That's, oh, my God. That'll be so fun. Yeah, it feels really exciting because, you know, I I mean, I grew up listening to it. Yeah, fuck yeah. That feels really cool. that's, That's huge. Yeah. So that's for my next couple of couple of months. Winnipeg Comedy Fest, debaters. Where can people find you on uh, the socials? Can people follow you? Yeah. On uh, Instagram and Facebook, I am Brie Parsons Comedy.
0: Brie Parsons Comedy. You're a delight. You're so funny, too like I just I'm very glad to have met you and yes please come back on so we can dive more into all these (laughs) subjects that we covered today
1: (laughs) because we got we got a good overview of you yeah it's like an
0: audio overview
1: you're good at hauling it out I don't know how my husband's gonna feel about this oh my goodness
0: (laughs) this is this has been so interesting and thank you so much for coming on this has been intoxicated podcast guys we'll see you next Friday and Brie, you get to ring the bell that's the battle cry We're done. Thank you for listening to the Intoxicated Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast app you use and leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. You can also give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Intoxicated Podcast, and check out our video episodes on the Intoxicated YouTube channel. Until next week... Steelheart heart and talker intoxicated podcast is hosted and produced by sarah mcclellan co-produced by sarah nicole and brought to you by the messiness of life
1: oh everybody's depressed next subject